0: in all of time in all of history man has never created one single living cell yet your body does that millions to billions of times a day that's where i put my face so i try to encourage people i want them to know that listen that there's a doctor 24 7 on the clock making chemicals making hormones detoxing you so yeah compared to the smartest person you know or the greatest doctor you think. I'm just saying that level of intelligence is laughable compared to the wisdom that is in you right now animating you so you can even hear me say this. If I can help you understand the magnificence of the body that God gave you, your fear of disease drops significantly. Your fear of a fever drops significantly because you realize that you're designed to heal. So I'm Dr. Ben Rawl. Welcome to Design to Heal. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of Design to Heal. We have a very special show for you. Um, our guest today, is, um, I want to say he needs no introduction, but in some ways he needs an introduction uh, because he comes to us from from Germany, and he's really been making a lot of... Um, headway in America with some of it, with his most recent book although he's been doing incredible work and, and scientific work and studies and in health and Alzheimer's and, and flu and um, just performance it's been fascinating we've been having a conversation here off air and I just the more I learn about dr. Michael Niels the the, the more amazed I am and so you are gonna love this episode I'm gonna warn you um, it's it's gonna be unlike Probably any interview you've heard. This would be maybe not when you're driving. This will be with a notebook, uh, taking notes. And sometimes people speed up podcasts to listen, listen faster. You might need to slow this one down to listen a little slower, um, uh, so you can learn all this great information. But Dr. Michael has written a new book, um, "The Indoctrinated Mind," and it is fascinating. I've read it. It it felt almost. Uh, it was like a little bit of me going back to school, just keeping up with some of the, the research and some of the information in there. But we are so excited. Welcome to the show, Dr. Michael.
1: Yeah, I'm very pleased to be with you. Thank you very much for the invitation.
0: Well, so I know you you have extensive background and it's a fascinating background with working with, you know, Nobel Prize winners and your research in flu and Alzheimer's and a bunch of other things. Do you mind... I'm putting you on the spot here a little bit, but would you tell us a little bit about your background, your degrees, your credentials, your body of work, and then we'll kind of dive into the book.
1: Yeah, my background is quite simple. I, I was always interested, interested in, uh, in nature and uh, in how nature works, and so I was not really clear what I should decide to study in chemistry, biology, mathematics, physics. So I did kind of a mixture of everything and I started medicine. And, uh, but from the first day on, I realized that I really wanna, I don't know, I was kind of ambitious and I wanted to find the, uh, the source or stone of uh, of eternal health. And uh, so I went immediately into research from the first year on. And I published in the second year of med school, my first international papers. And when I finished med school, I immediately did a postdoc in San Diego at US UCSD, uh, working in molecular genetics, molecular biology, and uh, I did a PhD work later on trying to find out about why certain animals don't have an immune system by accident. So there was a genetic variant that uh, led animals to have no I- immune system, and they were studied extensively over decades, uh, t- at the time when I looked at these animals, there were like 20,000 papers out there which which uh, were the animals were used for cancer research because if you inject in these mice a human cancer cell instead of, like, unlike normal mice, they cannot, uh, cannot essentially get rid of the animal. So the, these animals cannot get rid of the cancer cells and the tumor grows and uh, instead of animals that have an immune system rejected. So though worldwide, the, uh, the, uh, the whole scientific community in cancer research used these mice as vehicles to study how to get rid of cancer. Uh, and, but there was no paper out there at the time, which actually explained why these animals have no an immune system. And that was the research I did. And the uh, discovery was quite amazing so that the, uh, American Society of uh, Immunology actually called my result a pillar of immunology. I published it in Nature and Science uh, that the discovery of a genetic uh, regulator that regulates how our adaptive immune system works so that we can actually respond, for example, to to viruses like SARS-CoV-2 in an adaptive way and, and be protected. So we have this, we have this regulator, we are healthy. And so, uh, of course, I realized very quickly in 2020, for example, that, uh, we should just, uh, yeah, give our immune system a chance to actually efficiently react to a, a new threat and, uh, and we are certainly starting to heal and, uh, to respond efficiently to viruses. Dr. this was myological background, so then then I continue with my research. Oh, do you want to ask a question? Please?
0: Well, well, just because it's fascinating to me and and maybe i'm maybe I'm biased or maybe i'm I'm stereotyping here, but it often seems with with scientists and with your, you know, just kind of the formal medical training, right? You get down this path. I don't know if the right term is scientism, but you just get your bias, right? It's almost this to me, doc, it's ego where we th- almost think, um, it's it's oftentimes, I don't find people with the balance that you have with an appreciation for the natural design, right? Just nature or whatever word you want to call it, right? This divine mm-hmm. design, this incredible intricate human body that we have or animals have, right? And then it seems like it, it just always goes down this, you know, pharmaceutical route or how are we going to manipulate it? And very quickly, people in your position, it seems like, downplay the, um, just the basics, right? The basics of physiology, Mm -hmm. you know, good nutrition, good sleep, um, lifestyle, you know, again, whatever kind of term you want to call it, want to call it. So is there a, you said you're always interested in nature and interested in, you know, animals. Like, is there, is there a little more to that story? I'm just curious. I mean, did you grow up on a farm? Did you, I mean, if you, you know, what's your background in that? Have you, you just appreciate that? Are you a holistic kind of person? I mean, you know, you don't, you know, what's your, just, do you have a perspective on that?
1: Well, to be perfectly honest, I was really indoctrinated by in med school that diseases like Alzheimer's, diseases like diabetes, diseases like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, ather- atherosclerosis, right. which end up in a heart attack or a stroke, or even cancer, uh, Alzheimer's, all these diseases are kind of given, uh, that's, they're, they are natural in a way, Uh, We have no choice. Our genes are essentially uh, not working right, uh, not correctly, and only pharmaceutical industry can help us. So, for example, I I know all the key Alzheimer's researchers in the world, and and for example, I met one guy, and actually he said, uh, even officially then in, in large newspapers, if you want to prevent Alzheimer's, you either have to select the right parents or die quickly or early. <laughs> yeah. wow. So, um, and, and, and I actually started to believe that in the beginning, because that's what I was taught. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, to be perfectly honest, I didn't expect that uh, there was not, I had no knowledge about alternatives Okay. and it was really an awakening that uh, led me to the, on the right path. It was really a personal awakening that actually changed everything for me. So I did actually research. I did very well. I mean, I published lots of papers with, uh, with other famous researchers. Uh, we did a lot of great discoveries. It was really exciting research. But, uh, and I was even uh, running as a C, as a chief science officer and CEO of a biotech company in Munich, Germany, uh, just finding out how genes work, finding out where is the, 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 um, fountain of use, so to speak. The, I really hope to discover it in, in, a, in, a, in, in certain genes in our genome that if we manipulate it, we have eternal health. Mm. I really believed that for a time. And uh, while doing that, it was a strenuous work. I became obese. I mm. uh, uh, I was really unhealthy. I lived an unhealthy lifestyle. I traveled a lot. I was in the US every two weeks in a European city essentially every other day. Uh, I I slept bad, I ate bad. I, you were you uh, were
0: doing an experiment uh, you, you didn't even know uh, it.
1: Yeah, I actually hope that we find this 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 um, magic bullet, in the genome somewhere before I die, I was really uh, hoping that we have a fast track to that. And then I realized after a few years uh, doing that that I'm I'm not in a good shape anymore. I'm in a really bad shape. And I called my wife from a from a from a business trip. I said, uh, Sabina, that's my first name. I said, Do we have to do something? I have to I have to do some more sport or something. Yeah. Uh, and that was really a big. Big thing because in when I was like when well, 2021, 20, I actually won a marathon in front of my hometown. So I was in good shape when I was around 20, and I was in a really bad shape when I was around 40. And uh, we, both, uh, we both actually bought the, the weekend after we bought a bicycle, and it was really tough for me, and I was not in good shape. And it took me a few weeks to get used to bicycling, but I kept on. I changed my diet a little bit so that my training made more sense and uh, a few months later there was a key man insurance I have to say it uh, was a key man insurance on me from the investors in my company uh, put on my head so to speak mm-hmm. that, that if something happens to me they have enough money to replace me
0: mm-hmm.
1: so I had to go to the doctor regularly every year and I went to the doctor and he looked at my new data and my blood measurements and everything and after a few months of bicycling and, and changing my eating habits and uh, he looked at me and said, Michael, did you fall into a fountain of youth? <laughs> what, what did you do? He couldn't believe what, what what change he observed in my measurements in the blood blood uh, analysis and all the data. And when he asked this question, this question was really changing everything. Mm. Because what I was trying to find for 20 years, I found that was changing my lifestyle so, so and that was so, so amazing that i questioned everything about what i was doing from that point on
0: so doc i mean this is this is i mean super fascinating to me right because you're you're a living example and listen we all know that there is value in in the work you've done and your right your back work and the body of work but that doesn't mean that we throw the metaphorical baby out with the bathwater, that the things we've done for a thousand, you know, eating and you know, drinking clean water and getting rest. Like these things are never gonna be outdated, right? And and there's no biohack, in my opinion, that we that we even need to find to to try to short circuit those things. Let's let's just use common sense, right? We need sunlight. We'll always need sunlight. It's good for us, it'll be good for us, that type of stuff. And so but I think it's just I don't know, Doc. You're you're unique in that. This was an epiphany for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you. W- my epiphany was when I was in my training. Um, I I don't know if you guys did. it. Did you guys work on like cadavers, like human body dissection? Was that part of your training? Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, this
1: a lot. Actually, was a train. I trained others doing that.
0: Okay. Yeah. You know, and I, for me that was a big awakening for me when we opened up the human body and I just saw the intricacy. I saw the this, this, I couldn't understand it. It was so fascinating to me. And that was when I realized there has to be more of this story, right? We're more than just parts and pieces. There's a dynamicness, there's a vitalistic, you know, We're more than just a machine, obviously. But so, so this happens to you. I have to imagine it's amazing. You're happy. You're feeling better. Um, then this so is that what really led you down this this next path at, that we're going to kind of talk about today so you were kind of head down we're going to figure this thing whole thing out through the genome and you know genetic situations we'll find a drug or we'll crispr or whatever we'll fix it all up and we'll be superhuman and transhuman or whatever the, the situation yeah, is. Yeah, I
1: kind of it, but i realized this was um, i was completely on the wrong path because it was, it was uh, yeah, I, it was. I don't know what the right word is in English, but we took ourselves to. We, we thought we are superhuman doing that. Mm. Uh, we tried to change something which we didn't understand, mm. which we'll probably never understand really. Yeah. And, um, but on the other side, we are really designed to heal. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that term a lot, and uh, and we are designed to to, to to function. But the problem is, our modern culture essentially t- t- creates a situation where we cannot function anymore, really. Mm. And then the diseases come. And then, we, instead of understanding that we that we just have to give our body the chance to to heal, mm. uh, we give them drugs which are causing even more problems. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we come to that in a moment, maybe, because yeah. um, when when I made this, had this awakening, of course, I was still responsible for the company and it took me a few years before I got rid of it, so to speak, <laughs> and I was sold to another company. And, uh, but I was on, on the track at that point and I read every paper and every book I could find, understanding longevity, you know, uh, the blue zones and all these kind of things. Quite understand what, what they do different. And then when the company was sold, um I just I talked to my wife and I said, I, I wanna I don't wanna be a CEO of another company anymore. Not, not that I got any faults from somebody, but I said I don't wanna do that anymore. I wanna I wanna use my scientific knowledge to create a foundation why nature works so well. Tell people what is necessary. And for example, the law of the minimum, you know, which we know works in plants, you know. And, 1828, Carl Sprengel discovered that a plant cannot cannot grow if a single thing is missing, Mm -hmm. a single micronutrient, if water is missing, if -hmm. if the sun is missing. And it was totally clear, if if one is missing, you can add as many others and more more many other ingredients and it still doesn't grow. So if a plant needs water, it, it doesn't help if you give it more nitrogen or phosphate uh, it will suffer and it, it will get a disease and then you can give the chemicals against the disease, but this, the plant will still die. So nobody who has a plant would not trust water the plant. But if you, for example, get a depression because you have a lack of vitamin D, then the doctor doesn't check vitamin D, but he does, he gives you an antidepressant. So it does something that a person yeah. who has plants in, uh, in a pot would never do. And and so I realized that medicine is completely on the wrong track.
0: Doc, I just, I don't want to, I just, I want to interrupt you here, but like, this is a really important point, right? I think about it, even a simple thing, like anybody that's missed a night of sleep, you know, just up later, you've been traveling a lot around the world here, so you're all over the place in the time zone. Yeah there's no replacement for sleep. I'll use it am going to use a ridiculous example here. You couldn't just no, you I'm couldn't talking. just do a, 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 a some cocaine, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right as a as a pick me up. You can only drink coffee for so long. You 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 can't the body is designed to have sleep um, and so I think that's a brilliant understanding you're right I say this a lot of times you know we would never feed our pets the horrible food that we eat or we wouldn't certainly be surprised if our pets got sick if we fed them you know Pepsi and potato chips and they weren't doing well but then for some reason as humans we'd like oh I don't know why I have high blood pressure and you know and uh, I feel like junk and I can't sleep and I have you know indigestion do you, were you before you go down that road too far, did you get kickback from your colleagues? Did they think you'd lost your mind? Here's this super oh, well, high level I scientist. What's that? I
1: didn't. I didn't talk to them. I mean, I just did my my thing. I essentially had my little study in my home. Uh, I asked my wife if I have in time, time to study, you know, and try to write a book about my ideas. The first book I actually has. and you have to help with the pronunciation because it's a. It's a book of uh, it's a name from the Bible, Methuselah, oh, the oldest man in the Bible. Yeah. How do
0: you
1: pronounce? Yeah. Yeah. What is How do you pronounce this name, Methuselah?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was reading that in your other book. I thought that was I was so fascinated by that. Yeah.
1: Do I pronounce it correctly?
0: Yeah, 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 yep. Better than I would. Good job.
1: <laughs> so Methuselah's strategy, the Methuselah's strategy, and I had a formula uh, which essentially covers all the areas of life, from a purpose in life up to uh, nutrition, uh, social uh, social interaction, sleep, and of course physical exercise because fr- from an evolutionary point of view, I had this formula that allows us if we know what this law of minimum is in all these different areas. Uh, then of course it long li- longevity is possible, but also that we reach an age even of 120 years, without Alzheimer's and all the other things that essentially are what we call nowadays uh, uh, um, modern diseases yeah. or so or, or civilize, uh, diseases of civilization you know,
0: yeah.
1: as if civilization means that we have to get sick from these diseases. Doesn't it make any sense? And uh, so I was writing this book but at the same time I continued bicycling uh, of course because it helped me a lot. Actually, I wrote the book while bicycling. I had a Dictaphone, you know that little really? thing in my pocket, and I went out for a bike ride with with some ideas, a question, and I hope to have the answer after two or three hours of cycling. Hmm. And because I like cycling so much, I wanted to do something which I couldn't do when I was younger. I, I told you I was running marathon with 2021, and I was not a bad marathon runner. And I really wanted to go to the Olympics, but my knee I didn't like the idea, so I couldn't do it. But there was still something an open open thing for me you know to do something big uh, in sports. So the first thing I did actually, I decided to do the race across America. This race uh, totally across you know in America, a non-stop race, 3,000 miles non-stop in 12 days. That's the maximum time you have. And uh, the race strategy is uh, no sleep as, uh, as little sleep as possible, average about one hour a day. And 23 hours of bicycling so that you average the three to 350 miles a day.
0: Mm.
1: And uh, but I was working on the Methuselah strategy, and this one told me clearly this is not a healthy strategy. Naturally, most people fail in this race, that's why it's the toughest bike racing on earth. At least uh, from Outdoor Magazine, it was uh, cured, uh, was essentially told. We were told it's the from all races uh, in the world, even the Tour de France, this mm. is much tougher. Because fifty percent, for example, fail, and uh, and I realized they fail because they have the wrong strategy. It's not uh, in, in 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 sync, so to speak, with nature. So I said I have to change the strategy. And I realized if I sleep every night eight or nine hours, which is necessary for recovery, then I can keep my speed up all the time. <laughs> and so <laughs> while racing. And I did that. So I became the uh, Race Across America finisher with the most sleep. Mm. That's actually Wikipedia. Mm. I did it it actually twice, and the first time, uh, as I told you before we started this conversation, uh, the official one where everybody can listen, I told you that even a study was done from the the University of Freiburg, and they found out that with this strategy, which is essentially the Petrusali strategy, uh, I was better off at the end than I was in the beginning. I had uh, higher fitness. It was like a training, doing this extreme race. And uh, but according to the law of minimum, in all areas, nutrition, sleep, everything was always according to the law of the minimum. That nothing, nothing uh, should should uh, should uh, miss should be missed that I actually might fail for one of the other reasons. And doing that was a huge experience, mm. and it told me that this race was kind of life in I a mean, I mean, in in short term. they had like like a speeded up form of, of living. Every day, kind of a decade of life. And if you do it wrong at first, mm. two, for two or three days, you never reach the uh, the end, and you are and it did not finish. It means you die early, kind of, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and. When I when, when this was realized for me, uh, then um, I wanted to essentially not only write my book, my finish my book, the Metabolic Strategy. I wanted to prove to the world that uh, this is the best strategy, not only to to live long, but to be really wise or or generate a big, uh, I would say, um, the wealth of 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 of, um, of experience. Yes that yeah. helps to, to make the world a better place. Hmm. So, so I became very interested into the, in the brain because people told me, uh, at that time, the strategy is t- totally absurd because what, what is the, the advantage of becoming 120 when the likelihood of having Alzheimer's hmm. at hundred <laughs> percent. So, so according to all the science, uh, Alzheimer's is caused by by age. Mm-hmm. So if if I say you can become to 200 years old without without any mental deficits, that was completely contrary to the current idea that Alzheimer's mm-hmm. is caused by age. So I went to the, uh, to write my next book, and uh, and before that, actually, I started to work on the science of Alzheimer's, and I think I read about. Roughly 10,000 papers in the next three to four years. Uh, really 30, 40, 50, 100 papers a day, uh. you know, as fast as I could. And what I realized is that there's a major mistake in all these papers. And I published a paper later on. It's called The Unified Theory of Alzheimer's. And there I show that a holistic approach, a systemic approach, uh, using essentially the Methuselah strategy, there is actually a, a almost 100% likelihood that you can become 100 without Alzheimer's. You can actually prevent Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is not natural. It's actually an unnormal cause for modern society. The law of minimum is not observed essentially in many areas. And um, and that was a real breakthrough. The reason I actually was choosing Alzheimer's and not any other disease was quite simple. I wanted to convince as many people as possible to choose a more healthy lifestyle. So I have well, my my the requirement was to use a disease where first most people have fear to to get it, and there was just at the time a poll in Poland, Germany where they found out that 50% of all Germans that were were asked told their the the told in the in the study that the first fear, the highest fear of all fears is to get Alzheimer's from the age. Ah. The second requirement was that Alzheimer's, that there shouldn't be any drug that helps to prevent the disease. Uh, And of course, if for example, the lack of vitamin D, which is one of the causes of Alzheimer's, uh, you cannot cure with a drug the lack of 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 a micronutrient, that's essential, it's not possible. So I was pretty sure no drug ever will cure Alzheimer's. So it was even more a necessity to take, to, to bring this, this idea to the market and tell everybody uh, you have, you, you cannot rely on also on the pharma industry, continue your life as it is, and just believe that maybe 10 or 15 years by 20 years, whenever you are in age to be an Alzheimer's victim, that you have to, can live the next 10, 15, 20 years with the hope. That at the time, the power industry will have something for you. Yeah. It will not happen. I'm 100% sure, never, ever, there will be a drug against Alzheimer's. And, and there will never happened.
0: be, right, there will never be a drug that can. Uh, you never can drug your way out of a lifestyle problem, right? I mean it's just it's Absolutely. just it's just the facts. And even, you know, I used to say or I still say, uh, just because something is common, right, doesn't mean it's it's normal, right? Just because a, yeah, a, a lot that's of real big point. Yeah. And I think but but when been when, when people have been kind of lost for so long, they don't even realize kind of the, the false narrative they're under, right? They've just come to believe what you have been talking about, which is, well, that just happens to everybody. But that's not, that's not true. And that's not normal. Sure. It happens to everybody. If everybody's sick, right. It happens to everybody. If everybody's depleted, it happens to everybody. If everybody's poisoned and and lazy and stuck on a, a TV, you know, or whatever the cultural lifestyle things of the day are, right. I mean, there can be, and there's, I think you've talked about this. There's also, um, you know, uh, diseases of, 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 of excess, right? I know you talk about that too, right? Same thing. You can have not enough of a good thing, of course, and too much of something. And we, I think we all understand that, right? I remember was I was in Africa one time, Doc, and uh, the, we were with working with a group, kind of a missionary thing. And they said, um, they said you know, in America, this is what they said. They said, in America, you know, you die of diseases of excess is what he said, right? He said, mm-hmm. here, we're dying of diseases of insufficiency, right? We're starving mm-hmm. to death or whatever the scenario was. And um and I always remember that, and I think I don't think it's gotten much better. For sake of the the show, or you know something, I, I want to make sure because you've had, I don't know how else to describe it, Doc, but what you have brought to the conversation in the last bit here with your latest book and what happened through COVID, um, what's happening through COVID, these um, the jabs, these you know these spikes, you know, mm-hmm. mRNA spike protein manufacturing you know genetic modifying things that we're putting in people you have discovered something which i just man it's just looking back what an amazing life you've had right just the journey to know the to learn these things and then here covid happens which was which was all of the craziness that we would know it to be um but you have um, discovered something or your research over the years has allowed you to see something that i think we Is we really have to talk about? I feel like an almost an obligation to my listeners. That's when I when I read your book and I I, mutual friends and I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is you're putting into words and you're explaining something. We're all looking around each other trying to figure out, right? And uh, but but also, Doc, I think you you also can provide some hope. Okay, this isn't just a bad news show. No, absolutely not. Do you You mind telling us? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, the reason I talked about Alzheimer's so much is because it was really the key for me to understand what's going on. So if you understood that Alzheimer's is essentially preventable, that it's not normal, and that it is normal, but it's not natural, then you have to ask the question, how does the mind or the brain prevent Alzheimer's, it's quite simple, we are designed essentially, to become very old and the age is actually an advantage for society because it helps to the wisdom that the old older people have in the group essentially is, 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 is valuable for the youngest, but even for the second generation of grandchildren so to survive. It's called the grandmother hypothesis. And the reason why this is so important is because up to the oldest age, our autobiographical memory, that's where an Alzheimer's starts. The autobiographical memory, which we call the hippocampus, because it has a seahorse-like shape in the brain. And we have two of them in the temporal lobe. This, this hippocampus has the ability to produce new nerve cells every day. And it just doesn't matter if you are 18 years old or 90 years, it produces these new nerve cells. And these nerve cells are necessary that you can add new memories every day without compromising previous memories and you don't have to override previous memories. So even if the space appears to be limited, uh, your wealth of experience grows because the hippocampus can grow. And these nerve cells that are produced, we call them, in the production, we call adult hippocampal neurogenesis. Genesis, you know what it means, and neuron is of course nerve cells and it happens only in the hippocampus, and it happens in adults. It's a very neat feature of this particular uh, portion of the brain. And it contains our autobiographical memory. Everything that we learn about ourselves, everything that we think about, every the story that we have heard as a child, or we hear here every day, is memorized if it's exciting enough. Now these nerve cells have certain functions, and now we come back very, very quickly with COVID. These nerve cells have specific functions. First of all, these nerve cells provide us with curiosity. Because the only thing, way they can actually survive after they are born is that they have a use. And their use is to memorize new things, exciting new things. But exciting new things require curiosity. You have to be open for new things. So curiosity is very important for us, the humans to, to create a wealth of experience that is important not only for us as, as individuals to create a unique individuality, but also as a society to be have as many members with a diverse knowledge so that we can respond to threats very, very efficiently. So it's like, a, like our, I would say our social immune system. And the other thing that these cells provide is psychological resilience. So the more cells are produced, the higher our psychological resilience. The contrary, if no cells are produced, resilience is down and depression rates rise. So the level of depression in society essentially reflects the quality of the production of new nerve cells in the hippocampus. So if the depression rates are high, we have a very low production of these nerve cells, low curiosity in 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 the society and in the individual. The third very important feature of these cells, and i just finished the paper, I'm going hopefully to publish, it's peer-reviewed, and hopefully it's getting published in Frontiers of Psychology, is that these nerve cells provide the mental energy to think. Because if these nerve cells are not produced, we have a difficulty to memorize our own thoughts. And if you can't memorize your own thoughts, then you cannot start any complex thinking. So the mixture, the combination of these functionalities, meaning curiosity, meaning uh, a high level of psychological resilience, meaning mental energy to think, and fourth, having contact of being able to memorize and retrieve old memories. This, these four features together, these four features together, I call the mental immune system of humans.
0: Now, Don, do you to, to before? I'm just curious. Then all the things that we talked about before. Just I want I just want to see make sure our listeners are tracking on this fascinating. I love this idea of of just this you know mental immune system. If there was ever a time to keep out kind of a, a mind virus, I'm doing air quotes, right? Uh, that mm-hmm. would be the time. Um, and on all the things we talked about previously, these healthy lifestyle things, right? Sleep, uh, socialization, interacting, loving each, you know, being with each other, uh, exercise, nutrition, these mm-hmm. things, because we're going to talk about some things that, that destroy it, right? And, 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 and the COVID and things like this, but, but those things help that happen, right? That, those things are... Yeah, absolutely.
1: We were already in summer 2019 months before COVID happened. We had the highest level of depression rates worldwide. And we also had uh, essentially the highest rates of Alzheimer's, which is a consequence of uh, depressed neurogenesis. So, if you have the neurogenesis not working for, let's say, a few decades,
0: sure.
1: then Alzheimer's happens. So, Alzheimer's is just a, a function of age because it t- takes decades for the hippocampus not to grow but to shrink. So you have to imagine the normal the, not I have to yeah. use another words. the natural cause of hippocampal development is to grow over our whole life. One, two, three percent a year in volume. But then the normal force in our society is a shrinkage rate of one point four 1.4% per year. So the hippocampus is shrinking, and that's why. Alzheimer's and depression become normal, become normal. but natural would be no depression, no Alzheimer's, and a growing hippocampus and wisdom old age. That would be the natural cause of how we are designed.
0: And maybe this is an oversimplification, Doc, but as I listen to you say, because I just, I think for some people, they got to, they got to re- rethink about this why would the hippocampus, you know, when we've been told, I remember being a kid and my parents telling me, you know, I mean, you know, I was a boxer. I was a boxer. That was my sport. So the the, the story always was right. Just don't get hit in the head too much. because then, I'll, you know, I, I won't, I won't be very smart, but there's a part of the brain we're talking about here, the hippocampus. And because of what it does with its autobiographical memories in, in our life, That is going to continue to grow because we're having new memories every day. We're having new experiences every day, and in order for that to 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 remember those things, right, it's going to have to create new nerve nerve tissue, new nerve cells. And so, I I just want our listeners to think about what your what Doc is saying here. Like that's what you described is just what a normal what a normal progression should be. We're having new memories every day. Natural.
1: natural Natural,
0: Sorry. Yeah. The natural or yeah. The natural. The the designed way this should be. It's going to grow every year or every day because. We're having new memories. And as long as we have the law of the minimum in there where I'm getting rest, I'm getting it nourished, you know, I'm I'm, I'm doing all the, those th- the minimum things I need to sustain life, then that's what's gonna happen. Now, if I stop those things, either intentionally uh, living on the couch and staring at a screen all day and living on junk food, well, then yeah, I'm gonna, a lot of things are gonna happen from my hippocampus to my own muscle to my, you know what I mean? Like my body fat and all that stuff. And then on the other side of it, though, if I am doing those things, uh, and then the other thing, though, is, and I think that's what we're going to start talking about, which is, but there's been some things that can be done to us outside of we didn't realize, right? I.e., a COVID jab or lockdowns or some of these mm-hmm. other things that have these implications. Now you may never have thought about it as as affecting your hippocampus, right? You know, you're not a if you're not a brain scientist, you didn't. It, it may be the first time you've heard that term before. So will you tell us? Okay, so just continue. I just wanted to kind of pause this there, talk through that a little bit, and then if there's anything you want to add, but then take it from there. No, that's
1: perfect. It's, it's good that you will reflect on that because it's a lot of information and it's good to
0: reflect and in your words. I'm challenging so my I'm hippocampus so I can be smarter tomorrow. I'm very happy, yeah. <laughs> You're checking if you remember everything I
1: was telling. Well, this was really good, thank you very much. No, the point is now, we have the highest rate of depression and uh, Alzheimer's was uh, like the third highest uh, number three of deaths, causes of death in Europe, and I think even in the Americas. So the hippocampus was not doing well well anymore. And we know that from big studies that the shrinkage rate from adulthood onwards is like 1.4%, meaning that even children probably have not, have not a hippocampus uh, at the end of their, of their, of their, um, uh, what is the right word? When they grow up, oh, maturity uh, or or yeah, exactly uh, that they didn't, don't live up to their uh, natural potential. Mm-hmm. That they actually have a hippocampus that has not the size and the volume and the capacity that it should have if they have grown up in a natural way. So that's already all bad. So and then of course we have COVID coming along. And then I see all these measurements, you know, on social distancing, the worst you can do to people because we are social beings, just give you a feeling for what that does uh, uh, physiologically. So if we are in contact with people, we look into each other's eyes, we have maybe a body that touches one one another, then a hormone is produced, which is called oxytocin. Oxytocin is not only good for bonding or actually does help Bonding between between people. It's important for the bonding between the mother and the child. Mm. That's why it's released to, uh, when when the, the child born. Do they call and it the I, love
0: hormone, is it, Doc? Is that the one they call the love hormone? They call it the love hormone. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. And and oxytocin. Where does love? You know, is what is love based on? Let's put the question this way. It's based on memory. Mm. If I can't remember my loved one, then how can I love her or him or whatever? Yeah. So the point is. Uh, every, every connection to other people is based on memory. And so what nature does, is quite simple, oxytocin is the, is the fertilizer for the hippocampus, is an activator, the most potent activator, actually, that we know uh, that activates the production of new nerve cells in the hippocampus. Wow. Why? Because it provides a source for the memories to stick, mm. that we remember every detail of, uh, of an encounter with another person. And uh, yeah, and bought.
0: Amazing. And so so uh, the more yeah, I mean it makes sense. And I again I I'm just man, I'm not as smart as you, so I've got to put it in my terms here. But I'm thinking, you know, so when I you know, so I'm just imagining those those neat experiences, even when you do you're in around somebody that you you know, remember falling in love with, maybe our spouse, and it's like time stands still, right? And you're just soaking up every moment. That's what we can remember when we first met and our first date and our first kiss or whatever it was and it's i'm just i'm just thinking about this as i'm listening to you talk so we're just flooded with oxytocin right which is going to allow me to have massive nerve generation in my hippocampus to solidify these memories to say this was amazing, right? You really enjoyed this, which is why, and, and doc, maybe this is a leap, but this goes right back into why purpose is so important. Because if I have purpose, I care, right? I want to know about tomorrow. I mean, here you and I are on a late on a Wednesday night, you know, having this conversation because we're both really Passionate and purposeful about this, I think. Right? If I wasn't, yeah, I wouldn't absolutely. bother. You wouldn't bother. We would just go have dinner and go to bed. But when I'm going to remember this conversation because it's engaging and it's and it's important. And so I think that's really neat. For I think it's just fascinating. I mean, but some of this work is probably just important because you want people to know. But it's also fascinating, isn't it? You just how this. Absolutely, I had a lot of
1: fun studying that. It's not just only because it's important, but it's also fun to understand how. Integrate, you know, nature works. It's just amazing how everything that fulfills one aspect fulfills another. For example, if we are physically active, we become stronger, we become more uh, endurance. Uh, we are better in endurance sports, whatever. What does how does it happen? Of course, when we exercise, hormones are produced. Erythropoietin, uh, growth hormone, many others. I identified over a dozen hormones which are activated when we are physically active, and all of them make us physically more strong. But the amazing thing is, all of them, each individual, is also an activator of neurogenesis in the brain, in the hippocampus. And why? Because our ancestors, when they were physically active, they didn't go on a treadmill. They actually experienced new things, mm. and they had to remember where was uh, was uh, maybe a tree with fruits where was maybe a lion that might be dangerous. So avoid this next day. You know, I was lucky to, uh, to, to, to come home again, but I'm not sure about am going there again. So, so all this information that we experience when we are physically active, uh, need to be memorized. So being physically active means you send signals to your brain, well, this guy is exercising, meaning is going to make experiences. And that's why you need more brain
0: cells. So, so, what, so why on earth does, where in the heck does COVID come into this, right? If I'm sitting here, no, you know, right? I mean, it's a fascinating thing. We could just talk about this and this would be neat, you know, right? No, it's, it's quite easy
1: now what where it comes yeah. into play. So we had the highest rate of depression in the summer 2019. And then COVID came along. And suddenly we had all these measures which is a society that was already on the wrong track to begin with, the unnatural lifestyle led to this high depression rates because it led to a blockade of neurogenesis in the, in the hippocampus. And so we had all, an all time low in hippocampal cell product, neural production. And now these measures came, they measure, uh, like unsocial distancing, closing of sports, uh, uh, possibilities schools, to sports. You know. yeah schools, uh, uh, eating pattern changed. Uh, We had the anxiety all the time, which of course is detrimental to people that already have uh, a weak uh, psychological resilience based on the already, let's say reduced production of nerve cells. Mm. And I predicted at that time, uh, and actually wrote a book about it, it's called Exhausted Brain, it's not translated yet. But the exhausted brain, which was in the bestseller in Germany, I proved that these measures will accelerate essentially the depression rates. And it, I was correct. After a year, we had a three-fold increase in depression rates, and Alzheimer's was accelerating. Uh, so, in the end of twenty one, there was an analysis of the uh, German uh, Alzheimer's Association, and they found out that from 2018 to 2021, in three years, the Alzheimer's rates in Germany increased by 31%. Of course, Germany didn't age by 31%. Right, right, weird.
0: yeah, right.
1: But a clear a clear proof that my theory is correct, the the lifestyle that was unnatural to begin with became even more unnatural, which meaning that it accelerated uh disease process. And uh, what also was shown that a third of all the Alzheimer's patients in 2021 were below 65 years, 100,000 new cases below 65. Exactly. So it's clearly that the measurements essentially blockaded, you know, block, blocked essentially the production of new nerve cells in the hippocampus and accelerated. The decay and the shrinkage of the hippocampus
0: so that so wasn't was a surprise that wasn't a surprise i mean knowing what you knew and what the science had showed you and i forgive this maybe oversimplified example but if i'm gonna you know if i smoke a, a, a couple cigarettes a day but then i decide to smoke four packs a day right and then i decide to drink a you know a, a 12 pack of beer you know right and and then not exercise all you know the more negative things that we add to our life just you know it's not going to be perfect not everybody's going to die at 36 some are going to make it to 40 and some 25 but on the on the average it's going to it's going to do what you just described right alzheimer's mm-hmm. these diseases of 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 an uh, in, inability for the hippocampus to continue to grow and adapt and, and re, you know and, and and generate new tissue like you don't have to be <laughs> you don't have to be an md phd at that point to figure out that's not a good thing no. right But
1: but then, of course, another idea struck me that is the major content of my new book, The Indoctrinated Brain, because what happens if the hippocampus doesn't produce any new nerve cells for new memories, but you are forced to memorize all these narratives Mm. because they come with a lot of emotion. And everything, every narrative, every story, everything that hits you uh, with a lot of emotion and of course, it was always the fear of you, you are getting killed by the disease or you kill somebody else by infecting them and, and so forth. If all these stories hit your brain and you have no neurons, no new neurons without hippocampal neurogenesis because it's blocked by the lifestyle, it's so adverse. What happens? Well, quite, quite simply, you have to override pre-existing memories. Mm. The only way to memorize new things is by overriding existing memories. And that means that your, your personality, your individuality that consists of all your memories is being reduced and is replaced by a narrative that essentially all the people share around you. So all people become kind of equalized, but at the same time reduced in their quality of of being an individual. And that really struck me very deep. And then of course, uh, the only way out of, of essentially confessing to this narrative was that you got the, the, the injections. You have to show the government that you really believe what they are telling. And the, the only way to confess essentially to this belief was take the shot. And, for my Alzheimer's research, I knew that chronic infections are also a cause of Alzheimer's because chronic infections cause neuroinflammation. You have to imagine in an acute infection, it's actually quite good that the hippocampus shuts down, because you should not be curious, you shouldn't be engaging in conversations, you should actually withdraw from the group until you are healthy again. You don't want to infect. It's a natural way, probably how God or the illusion or whatever shaped our 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 way of acting. So what it means in practice is, if, if you have inflammation and pro-inflammatory cytokines are produced, they shut down the production of new nerve cells in the hippocampus, which is not a problem if it's an acute infection that is over in a few days. But if you have a chronic infection, it becomes worse. It become, you have a chronic dep- uh, depression of the production of these nerve cells. And that means you get a real depression and you actually develop Alzheimer's after a certain t- a time frame. And now the, the, the problem starts. The the modified version of the coronavirus with this uh, cleavage site inserted in the, in the spike protein. Uh, leads to the production of the S1 subunit. This, this uh, outer part of the, of the spike protein is released from either the virus or from the spike protein produced by the mRNA that is injected in this uh, what we call a vaccination program, which is it's I, I call it the spiking program. So, the, the, we knew already from SARS-CoV-1 which tried to make a pandemic in 2002, 2003, that the spike protein of Dutch coronavirus is able to activate the immune system, producing these pro-inflammatory cytokines and they shut down the production of new nerve cells in the hippocampus. So if you really want to essentially take over a society, the only thing you have to do is to chronically place spike protein into the brain. Causing new inflammation and a complete shutdown of the mental immune system. So, so with the experience of two thousand of the SARS-CoV one two thousand two two thousand three and the papers that came out on how essentially adult hippocampal neurogenesis is blocked by the spike protein, it took another fifteen years to essentially develop a virus that is very efficient of of, of producing in the body. Uh, a spike protein, that the, let's say the toxic part of it, the outer part, the S1 subunit, now after inserting this cleavage site, can very efficiently uh, transverse the blood-brain barrier and enter the brain. And it stays there for a long, long time. It's actually the major cause of brain fog, what we call long COVID, or what we call post bank. But in sense, it means it's a shutdown of the production of new nerve cells of the hippocampus. It's a complete exhaustion, essentially, of the brain's mental immune system.
0: Doc, can I can I say it back to you and see if I'm articulating it right?
1: Please, please,
0: so, please do. so, and and maybe I'll jump around here a little bit, but I want people to understand what's happening, um, and I'll add some other things in from reading your book that I that made sense to me you know some of the partly also some of the delivery methods this mRNA technology this this lipid nanoparticles is what is is what's allowed previously those things were used to get chemotherapy or cancer into into brain cancer patients right because it's difficult to get in there by design right Uh, it's protective Mm -hmm. we don't want it in there but if we need to get in there then sure right it's nice to have a delivery model to do that um, so that putting it in there, allowing this stuff to get into, into the brain tissue, which by the way, uh, from my understanding, doc, we knew that this, there was studies being done. Was it was at Japan. I mean, they were showing this showing up in brain tissue, blood tissue, you know, everywhere in the body very quickly, right after injection. And also this, this spike protein, uh, the mRNA technology. Uh, if it's not known how long it keeps producing spike, I mean they, and then especially if you keep getting jabbed over and over, right? Boosted, 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 boosted. Your body's continually being told to make this spike, which is being continually crossing the blood-brain barrier, which is continually reducing your hippocampus ability. And add to that the the, the other measures, right? The social issues, the fear mongering, the poor nutrition, mm-hmm. everything else, the stress. Add add that to that, and then. Um, and then this, this, I'm just going to kind of say, and then this erasing of the brain a little bit that you've talked about because you have to override. And what I have experienced um, with family and friends, and I'm sure you have, is I don't know how to say it, but I probably say some version of like, what happened to my blank, right? What happened to my uncle? Where did his brain go? Like, he's never yeah. like that. He never talked like that. He never acted like that. He never thought like that. He was never fearful like that, you know, and 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 now all of a sudden it's like he's got a whole new operating system. And so I part of the reason amongst many that I wanted to have you on here is because you can start to see what's happened. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, my conclusion on this is we need to be doing everything we can to grow our hippocampus right we need to we you know because it isn't this oh you're we, you can activate it or whatever the right better word is right this is why these things of lifestyle matter so much um so clean up anything that i said add to it but i mean this is a big deal right and you talk about the great reset we we you know we you hear this from the world economic forum which happens to be meeting tonight i think as we're talking um planning the next whatever, disease X or whatever they're calling it with likely a pharmaceutical, you know, uh, approach to, you know, with vaccines to, to address that. And also know the pipeline, my friends that are listening to this, they want to make many more vaccines with mRNA technology, right? They want to turn the flu shot Absolutely. into this and they want to do, you know, hundreds of them and all this kind of stuff. Like, it's really the beginning of the end if this is allowed to happen. I mean, at the risk of maybe sounding extreme here, Doc, we end up being a zombie. Our brains are are just there for anybody, the propaganda of the day to tell us who we are and we'll have no choice if we're not creating new nerve tissue in the hippocampus to become that. You a- know? Yeah,
1: you, you mentioned actually two words which I would want to pick up on one is the software and one is the operating system. Mm. So what the Great Reset actually means is that society will be essentially getting a new operating system of how it works. Maybe an artificial intelligence controlled uh, yeah, society with a social storage system based on maybe climate uh, points and,
0: sure. and health
1: points and whatever. Uh, so totally controlled society which is actually a post-boing society according to uh, official documents in the german government which are probably everywhere i mean it was totally clear that for example schwab in of the American world economy form essentially is planning that artificial intelligence essentially replaces uh, democracy that they actually tell us what the future should look like mm. because they can predict what the best is for us and not humans anymore so, looking at that, it's this social operating system, which can be abbreviated uh, with SOS, <laughs> uh, Save <for> Our Souls, <laughs> and, uh, and I see actually people come with more or less as a gateway to our souls, because when we talk about ourselves, what we want to preserve in eternity, it's our experiences, what we know about ourselves. So the infocampus has some linkage to our soul, I guess. Mm, yes, but that's so powerful. Yeah, yeah. It's just appealing, but I'm, I might be wrong. I'll leave it to the. I
0: Sounds like another definition. book. Sounds like your next yeah, book. Yeah, it sounds like another book. Actually, I have a
1: book with this title I already planned for, but I don't know if I'm the right person in that. <laughs> I'm not sure about this. But anyway, so um, the if you want to install a new operating system, you know this from computers. Uh, you don't want to have the previous oper- that already installed operating system interfere with the new one, so you have to erase it. You actually have to reformat the, the hard drive, and this is essentially exactly what's happening. What I described in my book: if you clock neurogenesis in the hippocampus and you force the brain to take up all these narr- narratives, then you have then essentially you override pre-existing memories. You reformat the brain. And very interesting is uh, what I told you in the beginning. One of the functions of the hippocampus of these new nerve cells is to provide us with the mental energy to think. And there was a Nobel Prize in 2002 given to a psychologist, Daniel Kahneman. And he uh, actually showed that there is actually a mental energy that we need to think. He didn't describe what the energy is. Actually, I'm the first one who did that. Mm. And I'm just publishing a paper on that. But it is actually the, the ability of these nerve cells to to uh, essentially memorize our thoughts. Without, without these nerve cells, we can't do that. And he called the thinking system that actually requires this mental energy system too. And the one that just essentially follows the herd, uh, the trained behaviors, the instinctive behavior, he called system one, which doesn't need any energy but it's also not very conscious mm-hmm. conscious system two, the one where we actually think and another Nobel prize winner who was trying to find out where in the brain might be our consciousness, uh, our conscious, he actually uh, described the system one as the zombie boat uh, scientifically. Wow. So actually if you essentially cut down the production of the nerve cells in the hippocampus. The only way you can react to things is in this system one mode. And that's the something mode.
0: You know, doc, it's, um, it's fascinating. It's also, if I'm being honest, a little scary, right? Because it should be. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I've got children and, you know, and, and I think about what their future world looks like and, uh, future mates and, you know, all the things. And, um, I used to remember. I was never a big fan of like the zombie movies, you know. I never really understood them. No, it's uh, not the Hollywood
1: movie, zombie. It's actually a philosophical construct of a of a being that has no conscience.
0: Which is which is scary on every level, right? Which is okay. right, you know. Well, no, you know, just scary to think about what a person without a conscience can do, what a person without really uh, memory uh, ability and uh, can do. I mean, I think we we've all seen some of the even the uh, concerns with anti with a certain. Uh, Mental medications, right? And and once we've disassociated the things that we're capable of doing to each other, right? And even mm-hmm. some of the things you've seen happen. This is a off off subject, but uh, during all these stressful times, the the people losing their minds on airplanes and and you know, right? Just people hurting each other. It doesn't it, it, when we when we're disconnected. And then add fear to that, and a new a new a uh, new uh, operating system on there. Uh, it's really as as bad as you can imagine could happen
1: yeah I actually experienced in my family even a, an uncle of mine told my mother that people who are not vaccinated you know spiked, shouldn't have access to nutrition shouldn't be allowed to go to the supermarket anymore.
0: wow yeah th- that that <laughs> kind of stuff right Take it zombie
1: mode <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's
0: we <laughs> zombie mode so okay as we wind as we wind down I' we'll talk to you forever um and so, and I want to make sure we talk to people how they get your book. I had downloaded your book. I just bought it on uh, on iBooks. I mean, it's on all the major platforms, right? I mean, they can get it everywhere. Yeah, it's Absolutely,
1: a- it's in the first the first print is sold out. It was, it was sold out quickly, but I was well, I was told by Skyhorse, who's public, who's the publisher in in, in the United States, that the book is printed quickly now and in large quantities, and okay. it should be back in the stores in the next few days or so. Okay. Uh, what? So, it can all right everywhere, and this, you, mean you should. Oh, okay. But it's clear that the book is not only about disaster, it actually yeah. gives hope. Because um, once you have the right diagnosis, if you know what's really going on, and from my point of view, from the hippocampus point of view, all of the things that we encounter, I know that the higher death rates in, in the age group 60 to, uh, 60 to uh, 64, the uh, the higher uh, cancer rates, uh, depression rates, uh, Alzheimer's rates. For me, they're only collateral damage of the main purpose that is to change the mind of the people. So the, the, but this it, nice. or so interesting thing is, uh, the adult hippocampal neurogenesis can be reactivated at any age. And I show this actually in the book. And that's why this is such, such, so, such a fantastic topic and we are really designed to heal. That means we can always go back and reactivate the neurogenesis. Even if, if you are already in the course of Alzheimer's, if you already have, in the early phases of the diagnosis, where people say, well, next few years, you will develop Alzheimer's. You already have the, the science. We know that you can reverse it. That's good work done by, by Professor Bradison in, in in California And essentially proves my theory, the unified theory of Alzheimer's disease, that you can always revert the disease process. And with this knowledge, I have a lot of hope because we already know that 20, 25% of all people haven't believed what was going on. And these people have now a responsibility. Everybody who's listening to us here has a responsibility because first of all, they wouldn't listen to us. Uh, so, folks, who yeah, are listening to me, but what I'm saying right now, you all would not listen to me if you are not curious. You wouldn't listen to me and accept all these, yeah, scary stories that I'm telling. we are discussing here right now, if you have not a high level of psychological resilience, and you wouldn't listen if you wouldn't have hope. Mm. And, but with this ability to think, which you have, comes the responsibility. That's actually the reason I wrote the book. I think I knew my wife was scared when I wrote the book, really scared. She electorated the book. She actually read through the book, the German version, and helped me to publish it. But she was really scared. She couldn't read more than three or four pages and really fear for our lives because Mm. what I'm telling you in my book is a dangerous topic. Uh, At least she believed it's not good to tell the designers of this catastrophe uh, what they are doing, because uh, yeah, it's it, it's might be dangerous for me and my family, but I have the strong feeling that when you know what, when you have a feeling what might be going on, you have the responsibility to tell. And now it's up to everybody else to use this information, this diagnosis, to start the therapy. And it's not nothing a single doctor can do. We all have to be part of
0: that, doc. This, and pardon me if this is an overstep, I'm just a personal question here, but you know, you're, you're, are you, so you're from Germany, like born, born in yes. Germany?
1: I'm born in Germany. One of my daughters was born in the United States. but okay. So we are mixed family. Okay.
0: So, I mean, it's, it's not lost on me. Uh, and I know this is a little bit of a hot button and I, I just feel like I want to ask it though, because I'm sure you've had to think about it. It's not lost on me with what you know some of the the history of in germany right where we mm-hmm. saw people do things we never thought they would do right and and not Absolutely, not yeah. not that long ago relatively speaking no. right um, and, generations, yeah. and so it's 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 heartbreaking to see the possibility of unspeakable acts happening again with with a um, you know nefarious minds behind that right um, have you thought about that as well, do you have any? I'm, and again, I know I'm just putting you on the spot and it's a hot topic there, but you know, what is mm-hmm. something you probably never thought you'd see again happen, and certainly not even in maybe your own country? Uh, what's perfectly your- honest
1: I mean, yeah. in, 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 in Germany in schools? This is the major topic mm. Holocaust and all these things. What happened in the third Reich? Uh, we learned this ad nauseum, you know. I, I mean, every second school year, it's part of history classes, part of. We learned like that we start to actually hate being Germans. Mm. Uh, when I see the German flag, I don't feel good mm. based on the, what we get educated. in school, But what I always thought about this when I was in school is where did all these people go when that uh, like, was just evil people at the time mm. or is it, is it always possible mm. that humans do that? Given the right circumstances, and to be honest, when I was not vaccinated, my family was my inner core four of the family wasn't yeah. vaccinated, and um, uh, not the whole family. The, the larger family, eighty percent got vaccinated, but yeah. Yeah. My, my my kids and my family around me was was that, that was different, and uh, and we were we were essentially uh, kept out of the family we had parties, birthday parties, we were not allowed to, to come. Yeah. Uh, my uncle, as I mentioned already, is that we shouldn't be able, able to, to get food anymore. So I felt, I had, I had feeling like I'm a Jew in the Third right, Yeah, I really had this feeling, of course, I didn't fear Holocaust right now, but I feared the zombies. I really feared the zombies and actually, the zombie apocalypse, I think, is that the right pronunciation?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: that was the title of my book hmm. until I finished it, hmm. because I really feared that the zombie mode—if that takes over—I'm just sitting here, able to think, and the zombies come, and they come in masses, and uh, they have no and no consciousness. You no. Know? So.
0: Well, you know um, that. Doc, it's um, it's been really um, amazing to talk to you. I I I feel bad for my wife because I'm gonna probably walk out and talk to her for another three hours about everything that we talked about here. Um, like I've said, I've sent your book to many people. I hope that um our podcast will reach you know as many people as possible. Um, and like you said, if you do hear this and it's and you're tracking with it at all, thank God that means you're. That means it's activated, right? That means your brain is still curious. That's a good sign, right? Um, yeah, and, it, and, it,
1: and it, it, it has a. It, it comes with a responsibility. Yeah, we all have a social responsibility, and we shouldn't stop. We should really start acting, acting up. Mm. And I see the Germany right now. I mean, there is a change. I see the change, a, a very big change at the moment, happening in Germany. In a good way. For example... Uh,
0: the in a good agro- way, you said, Doc? Like in a good way? In a good way, yeah. 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 The,
1: the agricultural industry... Uh, yeah,
0: uh, right, right,
1: right. They get harmed at the moment by the government, and but they are not left alone. I've seen I've now so many people go on the streets and fight against the government. The government has its lowest level of of, of support ever.
0: Mm.
1: And, uh, and I believe that it's this is happening because people starting to learn what was going on the last four years. And to be perfectly honest, I believe this was so traumatic the last four years that we are not going further into the future and end up in a zombie state. I actually believe that the reverse is possible, that exactly the opposite is possible that we have a, maybe a health system that deserves the name uh, of a, being a health system. <laughs> Um, that will be a future for us out there that is was, that is better than we were before twenty twenty.
0: That's a I think that's a beautiful end because, um, gosh, as much I mean even though these are deep topics and they're scientific topics, they're they're at the very same time they're everything that makes us human. They're everything that makes life good and glorious and amazing and you know wonderful and worth living frankly right uh for the time that we have maybe those 120 years (laughs) uh for sure do you have a so i know the book and do you have do people follow you are you on twitter um is there any other ways to follow you that you people want to stay in touch and just keep learning from you
1: yeah um twitter um i think it's easy my website is maybe the best okay approach because you find a lot of interesting ideas for example How to get rid of brain fog? I have a very easy remedy using low dose lithium. Okay, Uh, it's actually an essential trace element. Speaking of the law of the minimum, we just have to accept that it's essential, and then we use it. And uh, the likelihood of developing brain fog with the next infection is extremely low. And if you already have brain fog, I think it's the best thing you can do. Okay, and the science on it you can find on my website. Just go to www. Of course. Uh, Michael Dash dot com.
0: Well, wonderful, Doc. Well, um, I I have a feeling that a lot of people got introduced to you, and uh, and especially on this kind of recent tour you're doing about the new book, and I think that it's going to be. I, I you got. I know you've got a lot more in the tank, a lot of w- more work, right? I think that you you see you have a, a through line, a sight line. That's really important that not a lot of people are, have seen, right? And you have this this wisdom. Again, you're a living example of why this is so important. You have the wisdom of your your career to synthesize complicated ideas, right? And for our next mm-hmm. generation, for me, for my kids, for our grandkids, so that we can, um, if 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 tremendous evil is possible then I'm a believer that the opposite is true, right? In order for e- evil to exist, good good has to exist. And so it's a matter of where we put our focus, where we put our energy, where we what memories, if you will, we decide to carry forth with us today. And so this has been just one of my favorite conversations ever, Doc. I'm so glad Dr. Maria connected us and introduced us, and we were able to get you uh, on the show. And I wish you nothing but the best on your future works and books, and can't wait for the uh, your other works to get translated for us uh, <laughs> English speakers out there, right? Um, but um, I want to give you final word, Doc. Just anything last you want to say to our, our listeners here, and uh, and we'll sign off and let you go to bed, and you can continue your <laughs> tour tomorrow. No,
1: I, I want to thank you actually, because my book might reach a few people, but from my experience, uh, there are hundred times more people I reach with conversations like we have right here. I can't expect that every human being on earth would read my book, Uh, but I can hope that the message will spread by interviews like you are giving, or you are dealing with people like me. So I thank you for your courage that you actually do all these things. And I hope that uh, we have more conversations coming up in the future.
0: Well, thank you, doc. Have a wonderful night. Take care and God bless. Thanks for listening to Design to Heal. Always remember that the greatest doctor lives inside of you and God gave you what you need to be healthy and well. Connect with Dr. Ben at drbenroll.com or achievewellness.clinic. And please share this podcast with someone who needs to hear it and follow us on Instagram at design to Heal Podcast.